glad to be among you all. May the Lord bless us this morning and the whole day as we worship him. Let us now uh, turn once again to the book of Lamentations. The book of Lamentations, chapter 3. It's after the book of Jeremiah, Prophet Jeremiah. Lamentations chapter 3, and we shall read from verse 15, verse 15. He hath filled me with bitterness, he hath made me drunken with wormwood. He hath also broken my teeth with gravel stones, he hath covered me with ashes, and thou hast removed my soul far off from peace. I forget prosperity. The title this morning is In Your Lamentations, Wait on the Lord. In Your Lamentations or Grief, Wait on the Lord. Prophet Jeremiah in the book of Lamentation is not only lamenting about the fall of Jerusalem in 586 BC, he is not only lamenting about the captivity and the utter destruction and desolation of his nation, but he is also lamenting about his own condition. He expresses his own despair in the book of Lamentation. The book of Lamentation in the Bible could be the longest dirge ever sung and ever written. What is Lamentation? It is expressing the deep grief and sorrow felt in the very depth of one's soul. This deep felt grief and sorrow could come upon a person because the beloved is dead. It could be the husband, it could be his wife, child, or loss of everything, perhaps due to earthquake or other natural calamities. Perhaps the business have failed or sickness. It could be anything, as you and I know. When a person laments, this sorrow, this grief is expressed in deep sighs of mourning. And these sighs comes and goes in deep breath. It looks as if there is nothing left in this person but the breath of utter desperation. And in between those sighs, this person that is deeply grieved because of the beloved's death or whatever, he, she expresses the whole life story of the person particularly who is dead. And she expresses in a mournful song 
a mournful hymn. It is a song sung for the dead. It comes from the heart for the beloved. Another word, as I said, for lamentation is dirge. A dirge is a hymn or a song sung in a mournful way by grieving, by the grieving person. It can also be an instrumental of young people perhaps today will not be aware of such a thing, especially in this part of the world. But it is still common in the Eastern countries where mostly women, or perhaps in Africa also, I'm sure it is still, still, still prevalent, where mostly women who have lost a husband or a child will openly and loudly express a deep grief in a kind of a very mournful song. And in this song, the character of the person, the character of the person, the goodness of the deceased person is expressed in words. If that person has been a drunkard or had terrible vice due to which he passed away, even this is expressed. Such crying and singing about the loss of the loved one is therapeutic. It releases the stress built upon the soul. Also, it helps people that have come for the funeral to know a little more about this person's life when perhaps they were not aware of. It also helps people to know how that person died. And some being deeply moved by this information and the pain and the sorrow felt by the grieving persons, others are moved to cry and become one with the grieving family. The Bible records for us such dirge or lamentation. For example, in the book 2 Chronicles, chapter 35, it speaks of the lamentation of King Josiah when he died. In 35, verse 24, 2 Chronicles 35, verse 24, we, we hear, uh, it is written, and all Judah and Jerusalem mourned for Josiah. And Jeremiah lamented for Josiah, and all the singing men and singing women spake of Josiah in their lamentations to this day, and made them an ordinance in Israel. And behold, they are written in the lamentations. You will notice Judah and Jerusalem mourned. These are the people in general. Then we are told Jeremiah lamented. Surely the king's own family members will mourn. But beside we are told about singing men and singing women that spoke of Josiah in their lamentations. Now, these singing men and singing women are professional lamenters. Note, they sing. They make loud, mournful noise. You will remember when Jesus came to the ruler's house, as we read in our second reading, to bring back to life 
his the ruler's dead little daughter we are told jesus saw the minstrels and the people making a noise they were making a noise the minstrels were men that played flutes and other instruments that produced a mournful sound and again in india even today among the roman catholics some people that can afford have a band playing a band playing a mournful tune as they lead the funeral procession the lord asks jeremiah to say this in jeremiah chapter 9 verse 17 thus said the lord of hosts consider ye the call for the mourning women that they come and send for cunning women skillful professional mourners that they may come and let them make haste and make up a wailing for us that our eyes may run down with tears and our eyelids gush out with waters for the voice of wailing is heard out of zion how are we spoiled how are we spoiled we are greatly confounded because we have forgotten forsaken the land because our dwelling have cast us out yet hear the word of the lord o ye women and let your ear receive the word of his mouth and teach your children daughters wailing and every one her neighbors lamentation for death is come up into our windows and entered into our palaces to cut off the children from without and the young men from the streets it's a warning for each one of us dear friend it's a warning God is asking Jeremiah to tell the professional mourners to mourn about the sins of Judah. Now all that happened in Jerusalem was because of their sin against God their king, their maker and their deliverer. They turned their back to God and they defiled his name, his commands. They defiled it. They rejected it. knowing they rejected it it's not that they did not know the commands of the lord and so it is with us dear brethren we know it and knowingly if we reject it will be a time of mourning they defiled the temple by bringing in idols and they went a whoring to other gods and this not only affected the land and the wicked people of Judah but it also affected the souls of those that loved the lord so jeremiah laments saying as we read in verse 15 of lamentation chapter 3 he hath filled me with bitterness he hath made me drunken with wormwood He had also broken my teeth with gravel stones. He had covered me with ashes, and Thou hast removed my soul far from peace. I forget prosperity. 
Is that what happens to you as a believer? Does it affect you, the sins of the world all around? That it makes you moan, go on your knees and cry out to the Lord? And Jeremiah said, I said, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. Remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall, my soul had them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. Are we humbled? Why would it so deeply affect Jeremiah what God is doing or has done to Judah? And Jerusalem, Prophet Jeremiah is totally involved in the life of the nation. He's involved. He did not ask for it. He was called by God. He was put into that situation, that circumstances. He is at the center of all that is happening in Jerusalem. He is proclaiming the message from God. He is communicating directly with the king and the princes of the nation. God shows him the destruction that is coming upon his people whom he loves. It's not enough to be on our mobiles and see and watch and get engaged with all the entertaining things. We got to know what is happening all around us. We are the watchmen, isn't it? God has placed us as a watchman. And a watchman has to be alert, he has to see, he has to know. Not only this, but in the process of this interaction between God and the nation, his own life is messed up. We like to preserve our life so much, isn't it? We don't want anything to interfere with our leisure and pleasure and comfort. But look at Jeremiah, and so it was with all the prophets. He's fully in it. He's persecuted. He's afflicted. And he's put in misery. He's so focused on what God is saying and what God is going to do that he cannot keep quiet. The word of God burns within him. He has to go out and speak what the Lord has put in his heart. He cannot keep quiet. He cannot run away from it. Jonah tried to do that. God brought him back. He has to speak, hoping that the king and the people will change and come back to God. So it deeply affects him. And when the destruction takes place, Jeremiah sighs and laments for Judah, for Jerusalem, for his people. Where we are placed, those people become our people. They are our people. God has a purpose for each one of us as to where he places us. 
this is the this is bound to happen when the child of God, saved by the grace of God, delivered from the power of sin by the Lord Jesus Christ, when such a person see, hear, and is found in the very middle of the people that do not honor God, no more honor his word, are carried away by idolatry, and even see uh, the priest and the prophets and the king, uh, princesses, practice the very things that God has commanded not to do like the other nations did, all this will definitely affect the man of God, the child of God. Whether you are in the university, in the college, in the workplace, it does not matter where. This will happen to the minister of God who wants to be faithful to Jesus Christ, but sees a large scale of ministers rejecting God's will and supporting and encouraging abortion and LGBTQ and fornication, making babies out of marriage and openly saying that the Bible is not the word of God. We have progressed. We have progressed. That is ancient. That is ancient. And we... It, 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 it cannot tell us anything good. What happens in the community of believers deeply affects the faithful servants of God. This is what happened to Jeremiah. In the case of Judah in Jerusalem, in the end, the king and the people did not change. They did not change. They did not turn to God in repentance. And a result of this, this nation, Jerusalem, was destroyed, almost annihilated. Jeremiah remembers all this and he laments. And also laments his own misery. We are humans. It will affect us. He has almost lost his strength and has no hope. His soul is grieved. He laments and says, in verse 18 of chapter 3, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. Remembering my affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall, my soul had them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. Now, the children of God, especially the ministers of the gospel, lament and mourn, seeing the situation of their people. They lament and mourn with grief, looking at their own trials and troubles. It's not an easy job, dear friends, to be the minister of the Lord, to be a pastor, to be an elder, to be an evangelist. It's not easy. And like Jeremiah, we can lose hope. Many servants of the Lord cry out day in and day out, return to the Lord. That's what you do when you go out on the streets, isn't it? On Saturdays and other days. Return to the Lord. Remain faithful to the Lord. Deepen your faith. Seek for guidance from the Lord. Flee temptation. Honor the Lord. Revere the Lord and cling to him and his truths. But he sees right before his eyes his church becoming 
empty. His people giving no heed to the word of God. Last, last, uh, actually a few weeks ago, um, on the Lord's Day, around 9.20, I received a call. Uh, this man wanted to know the timing and the address of our church. And I gave it to him. And then he asked me this question. Is your worship upbeat? I mean, upbeat? I politely told him that it is not. And added, it is sober and reverential. And his immediate response was, ah, and he hung up. It is sober and reverential, ah. A thing that is sober and reverential is, ah, ah, disgusting, boring. It is to be rejected. I don't want to be in such a place. We lament. We are filled with grief. People are conditioned. People are conditioned. Young people especially, you must be very careful of how you are being conditioned by the media, by the world. It's very important to know what is being put into your mind. It's a game changer, isn't it? What enters into your mind, if you receive it, it can change your mind. Don't be conditioned by the world. It has no knowledge of God. It has no sweetness. It will only make your life bitter, terribly bitter. You see, people are brainwashed into believing that the modern way of worship is the right way, the only way. And they cannot think of worship place to be different from the world from the world. This is the state of the church today. People are not seeking the holy and righteous God. People are not seeking the crucified Christ Jesus. People are not seeking the Christ that died, rose again from the dead, and have conquered sin, death, and Satan. People are not seeking for the word of God that converts, transforms, that liberates by its truth. And that enlightens and makes a person pure and righteous. And the power within that God gives us to overcome the world. As Jesus says, I have overcome the world. We can be overcomers. We should be through his word, through his spirit. Living a righteous life. He fills us with wisdom to withstand trials and tribulation and increase in faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. They simply want to be entertained and to be told that, that right is wrong and wrong is right. 
no matter what sin they commit, they want to be told that God loves them. Come, God loves you, and everything is okay. They want to be told by the ministers of the word that the Bible is a mistake. Is a mistake. God never judges and never punishes at, as it is told in the Bible. They want to be told that our modern civilization have progressed to so high that we cannot accept, accept that old God of the Bible. We are not primitive. But if you have your eyes open and what is happening around, you can see we are becoming primitive. The way we dress, the way we talk, the way we behave, Crimes everywhere. But sadly, we find this modern civilization is returning and behaving like the primitives. Jeremiah was absolutely downcast with the situation of his day, but then suddenly it dawns upon him by the Spirit of God that he recalls to his mind he recalls to his mind. What he recalls to his mind suddenly brings hope to him. What does he recall? And what gives him hope? Look at verse 21. Lamentation 3, verse 21. This I recall to my mind, and therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassion fails. His compassion fail not. We are not consumed. The remnant, the faithful, the obedient, those that love the Lord and are near to him and honor him are not consumed. Why? Because of the Lord's mercies, because his compassion fails not. Fails not. Verse 23. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. They are new every morning. Oh, if we can only taste this newness of God's compassion in our lives, we will never fear. We will drink in his newness of his compassion every day. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly. Ah, I like that. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Dear brethren, Dear ministers of the word of God that stands in the house of the Lord, your faith, your labor, your devotion, your piety, your love for the Lord and your love for your neighbor, your witnessing is not in vain. It can never be, be in vain. Great is his faithfulness. While the outward man of Jeremiah and the outward moral degradation and unbelief was overwhelmingly oppressive to Jeremiah, his soul said to him, the Lord is my portion. He is my 
possession. He is my inheritance, my reward. The Lord himself, his person, his very being is my inheritance, my reward. Don't listen to your fleshly mind. Don't listen to your fleshly mind. Listen to the spirit of God that dwells within you. Listen to his word. That is why we got to be in, in the word every day, dear brethren. Do not depart from his word. This is what my soul, my regenerated, my renewed, my born again soul testifies that the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will hope in him. I will wait for him. For it is good that a man should both, what? Both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. We are told to wait in verse 25. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. And this waiting is waiting with expectation, just not like, you know, the Buddhist monk that go and sit under the tree. No, with expectation, eagerly looking for with hope. This waiting is waiting with hope while seeking him. While seeking him, while inquiring. Inquiring. We inquire, isn't it? Why, Lord? Why, Lord? Why, Lord? Well, this is good, but in verse 26, we are told it is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. If you're only going to ask, why, Lord, why, Lord, why, Lord, it will frustrate you. It will damage your soul. You will do things that are not expected by God. Quietly wait. Wait in silence as in being dumb. Wait quietly without being restless. Seeking and inquiring and constantly asking questions can make a person restless. Restless. And restlessness turns into irritation. And irritation turns into anger. And anger turns into violence. And violence does not bring anything good it destroys your inner peace. It will destroy your faith. There is a time when you seek and seek and seek and inquire and inquire and there is only desperation. The word of God says, when you are at this point, shut up. Shut up. Quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Job, you know, Job. He's a great friend of all of us, isn't it? Job was seeking and inquiring and inquiring and became restless and turned desperate. He wanted to die. He turned desperate. All hope was gone. God told him at the end, shut up. Shut up. And this is what you and I need to do. Shut up. God says, I'm working out my purpose. I'm working out my purpose. I'm in control. God is in control. I know what I'm doing. Let me work on you. 
Let me do a surgery on you. Let me cut an etch on you, my image, the image of my son, Jesus Christ. And that is the ultimate purpose of the Father, isn't it? That we put on the mind of Christ. That we be And then when the Lord revealed to Job his ability, that is God's ability, his knowledge, his wisdom, were you there when I did this and were you there when I created this and that? Job could not reply, isn't it anything? And yet he said, behold, I am vile. I am vile, he said. What shall I answer thee? I will lay mine hand upon my mouth. Once have I spoken, but I will not answer, yea, twice, but I will proceed no further. No further. There's a time to speak before the Lord, and there's a time to keep silent. Verse 26. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Our eyes, dear friends, brethren, must be upon the Lord. Look unto the Lord and be saved. Look at the Savior on the cross. The world had only one thought. When Christ was on the cross, the world had only one thought, had only one conviction in their head, as they saw this man called Jesus of Nazareth nailed on the cross, this is the end of this righteous man. This is the end. He is condemned in the eyes of God. He is finished. The world rejoiced and the world mocked the Son of God. They said to him, he trusted in God. Let him deliver him now. If he will save him, he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. Jesus committed his life to his Father. And Jesus remained faithful to his Father. But people looking at Jesus hanging on the beam of the tree must have said, is it worth to be honest? You hear people say that, isn't it? Is it worth to be honest? Is it worth to be righteous? Is it worth to trust in the Lord and to be committed and to be faithful to him? There is no such thing as God and his faithfulness and his power to save. He is accursed. Cursed is a man that hangs on the tree. But God did not leave his son on the cross and in the grave. Jesus Christ rose again from the dead and the Father has given his inheritance, his reward. He is highly exalted. He is seated on the throne of the Father. Everything is put under his feet that every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Do not be discouraged, dear brethren. His word, God is not a liar. 
the Father has given countless of people, including you and me, to, to his Son and brought us into his Son's kingdom. We are all going to serve our King Jesus. Jesus has saved his people from eternal destruction and has made us his and his alone. And he will never leave you nor forsake you. That is guaranteed. So brethren, servants of the Lord, do not despair. Yes, lament for the utter sinfulness of the world around you, but do not despair. All your work, your labor, your faith, your love, your devotion to the Lord and for his people is precious. Verse 31, for the Lord will not cast off forever. But though he cause grief, yet will he have compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. As the word says, we are made righteous through suffering. Through suffering. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies are new every morning. In your lament, wait for the Lord, whatever may be your situation. Wait for the Lord. When your heart begins to be filled with bitterness, drunk with wormwood, and when you feel that your teeth are broken with gravel stones and your heart is crushed by the weight of a bulldozer and your life, your ministry, your prayer has turned into ashes and your soul is removed far away from peace and prosperity, silently wait. Silently. Wait for the salvation of the Lord. The battle is the Lord's. We are but his servants. We are his soldiers. He is the commander-in-chief. That is, as wise Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 7 says, a time to keep silence and a time to speak. You know, the little girl was dead, as we read. In the Gospel of Matthew, she could not speak. She was dead. But the Lord Jesus Christ went to her, spoke the word to her, and she came alive. And she spoke. Lazarus was dead and stinking. He had no voice of his own. He was silent in the grave. What better place to be silent? All his organs had melted away. Jesus, the Son of God, the one that gives life, goes and raises him up from the grave and makes Lazarus a fresh new man. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. For the Lord will not cast off forever. Take these words home, dear brethren. Let it lie in your heart. The Lord will not cast off forever. But though he cause grief, yet will he have compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. Great, great is his faithfulness. His mercies are new every morning. Jeremiah's work was not in vain. His words 
His work continues to encourage and edify each one of us. Let us pray. O gracious Father, we pray, Lord, that we may not be shaken no matter what be our situation and circumstances. Because the battle is yours and thou will perform for us as thou performed for thy people in the past. O Lord our God, help us to put our trust in thee. For great is thy faithfulness. There is no friend there is no one as faithful as thou art. Lord, be our strength and our salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Shall we take hymn number 501? 501. 501.